We're looking back on some of the biggest stories we tracked this year. It's Thursday, December 28th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Looking back at some of the biggest stories of 2023 with senior reporter AJ Perez. Welcome, AJ. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you dove into some of the the biggest stories and some of the biggest scandals of of the year. Let's start with the Washington Commanders, and this is one of these stories where it kind of gives you a feel for how long the year was. Bob, that this was still 2023, and and you know went well into 2023, um, but. Uh, Let's let's start back to um, where the the commanders were um, at the start of all this and um, uh, the ousting of owner Dan Snyder. So where did all of that start? Yeah, basically we entered 2023 with the team being for sale for several weeks. We didn't really know at, in January of, of uh, this year what was going to happen, whether Dan Snyder was going to keep the team or he was going to sell it. There was there was the sale, they were very vague about how, if they were going to sell or not, or they're exploring strategic options, uh, you know, but eventually by as, you know, as you know, January became February, it became March. That's when it was, became clear that, you know, Dan Sider had to sell. He would have been probably almost certainly had been the first owner removed from uh, first NFL owner removed, uh, you know, basically thrown out of the league. Uh, th- that was, that could have started a whole other uh, a whole other thing with a legal fight and Dan Snyder does likely using lawyers. Um, and so that, and the league didn't want that. So they would, the, they got the best option with him, but the best option for the league and for the fans was Dan Snyder selling. Um, but he had a high price tag. He entered the year. He wanted $7 billion. Uh, just to, in, to the perspective, the Denver Broncos that sold in 2022 sold for $4.65 billion. So he wanted two, nearly two and a half billion dollars more for a team that, had a worse stadium, a much worse team. They hadn't had, you hadn't had much, you know, much success in the playoffs. You know, a way worse facility to for the team headquarters and where the players train. It just didn't make a lot of sense why you wanted seven. And you know, even you know, and we had, and we can talk about the all the other uh, bidders, the real ones and the not. Yeah, I mean, what I find so interesting about this story is one, it gives us a sense of the NFL's threshold for when they are willing to push out an owner, because for any league, that's a really high bar. It has to, you have to be really toxic to get there. But also it wasn't, you know, like his punishment is he goes to prison or his punishment is, you know, he's, he's thrown out on the streets. His punishment is um, you have to accept a sale of, you know, in what he wanted was $7 billion, but you have to, you know, add, five plus billion dollars to your bank account um, and just no longer be associated with the NFL and, you know, publicly disgraced, but not, not the worst landing that, that one might have. No. And it, obviously the, those investigations ended and uh, he was fined the biggest fine ever, uh, you know, which was six, $6 million, 1% of how much he sold the team for when the investigation finally ended at the, uh, the NFL investigation, the second one in, into the team and Dan Snyder ended at the, right before uh, Josh Harris took over the team. Yeah. And let's get into that sale process a little bit. For a while, it felt like 
everyone you've heard of, uh, you know, is throwing their hat in the ring, you know, for, you know, maybe just for 0.1% of the team, but all sorts of folks were saying like, sure, I'll, I'll take a piece of the commanders. Um, who, who became the serious bidders in that, uh, in that sale? It really was like Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets. Uh, he bid about five and a half billion dollars, a lot of money, stole a record uh, for, you know, still probably for the, I think it's, that would still be the record for a sports franchise in, in the world. Um, you know, and he didn't feel the team was worth any more than that. So that's so he kind of was, you know, he, he kind of bowed out. It's like, I'm not paying more than five and a half billion dollars. It's a lot of money. Um, and then really it was Josh Harris, uh, was the only, was one who, he was one of the finalists for the Broncos in that team. Uh, he knew he would have gotten, you know, from my sources, he, he knew he was going to get outbid by the Walton family, um, yeah, for that team. So it was, you know, so he was looking for, and obviously the, the commanders came for sale with Josh Harris is from Maryland. Uh, a lot of his, you know, Mitchell rails also, uh, you know, is who's, I think it's about just, just as rich, if not richer than Josh Harris is the number two um, uh, a partner on this team. So he was still cobbling money together. I mean, he had to, not only do you have to pay the $6.05 billion, you need to have 30% cash as part of the transaction. So Josh, and it has to come from Josh Harris in this case. So that's $1.8 billion that he had to basically move his finances around, get put his assets into cash and to move that over. But even to get to that point, you know, we had Jeff Bezos, uh, was was uh, was he never he hired a banking firm to to advise him he never submitted a bid um, and we were and we you know, we broke the story that he was no longer uh, you know no longer interested or no longer in the process basically and then we had these other bidders we had Brian bidders I should put in quotes uh, you know Brian Davis Steve and then uh, who was a former Duke player who bid seven billion dollars somehow which. You know, Bank of America, which was devising or which was handling the sale for for Dan Snyder, really never took it seriously. And Brian Davis ended up suing Bank of America and then dropping the lawsuit days later because it was, yeah, you know, (laughs) that was that was fun. And then we had the Canadian businessman, Steve Vasilopoulos, who I learned to say his name this year. Um, so there, so the, so he was really, I mean, Dan Snyder, people close to him were, you know, sources were telling me, you know, he was a serious bidder. I could never figure out if he had nearly that much money, like we 1.8, we're, we're talking to him. He, he, he allegedly put a $6 billion bid. So that's, that is $1.8 billion in cash. He, he has to have, and not Canadian, like a U.S. cash. So it's going to be uh, you know, that was, there was, there were a lot of interesting side side things that we forget about now that were all part of it uh, in the early part of 2023. For Bezos. I mean, you, you said, you know, Harris knew he was going to get outbid by the, by Rob Walton for the, the Broncos. That felt like for a little bit what was going to happen with the commanders. You know, Bezos has all the money in the world. Um, it's it's curious to me that he thought about buying the team and then didn't, because Bezos can buy whatever he wants, including an NFL team. And so, yeah, any sense of why he kind of you know tiptoed around the edge and ultimately didn't make a bid? There's a lot of very very rich people that uh, that. We'll take a look at anything that comes on the market. That's that's a value um, or an underappreciated asset. So that's uh, so that didn't happen. I mean, he had the Washington Post. He owns one of the biggest houses, most expensive houses in D.C. There's local connection with with uh, with Jeff Bezos, but you know there was really and and the, and the Amazon headquarters uh, is in um, not too far from where the where the where the Capitals want to want to build their new arena. Um, so in uh, this side of the Potomac here in Virginia. So there, there was a lot of like, you know, why is he doing, why is he doing it? Well, the local stuff. Yes. Um, you know, there's other reasons that I'm still reporting on. <laughs> he may, he, he, 
if the next franchise that comes on the market, who knows that which one that'll be or when that'll be? Because I was at owners' meetings here uh, this month and really haven't heard any chatter about the next team coming on the market. But he, the next team that comes on the market, especially if it possibly could be this, it'd be the uh, Seattle Seahawks, where he also has a local connection there, starting Amazon there. Um, you know, that's that could happen as well. I mean, there's, I don't think he's you know, done assessing, um, you know, maybe becoming a uh, team owner at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to ask about the Seahawks um, because it does, you know, I think they're going to be sold at some point, right? Like that's something of a foregone conclusion. So yeah, maybe he's just thinking, wait a few years, get a team where I don't necessarily have to build a new stadium. Um, But I guess we'll see. And, you know, it's, it's, it's his money and uh, you know, it it feels like he's going to own a team at some point, but he doesn't have to, <laughs> and you know. No, no, and it seems. Um, I think uh, between uh, him and Hannah, I think it's he's uh, his, and his fiance, unless they got married. Um, you know, she's the bigger sports fan of the couple. Um, so that's uh, so. If uh, you know, I think uh, yeah, there could be some outside influence on Jeff there. Yeah, interesting. Uh, let's hop over to another of your big stories this year. Uh, Brett Favre is as we're recording still in a you know legal jungle. Um, but let, let's let's remind our listeners here. What was why is Brett Favre in legal trouble? Yeah, right now it's just a lawsuit. He's a defendant among forty-seven defendants in uh, Mississippi's welfare agencies, trying to recoup over seventy-seven million dollars of uh, welfare funds or federal TANF welfare funds. Those funds are supposed to go to the poorest of the poor in this nation, and it's hard to qualify for them. Um, and you know, there are a lot of people including Favre, um, received money. Um, he received, he's connect, he received $1.1 million directly for public service announcements and for speeches he did not perform. Um, he repaid that money. Um, but he's also, there's another $5 million that he, that text show, uh, you know, text messages from, you know, at least Favre sent to people, um, that, that kind of, uh, that showed his lobbying for two other things. One, being a $5 million volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi, where he went to school and his daughter played volleyball at the time. Uh, so that's $5 million went to there. And they, so the, you know, the Southern Miss Athletic um, Foundation is also a defendant in this lawsuit. And then uh, $2 million went to this company called Prevacus, which was one I really focused on at the end of 2022 um, and still am still working on stuff even through this year. Um, you know, there it was a it was a drug company where it was they're trying to develop two concussion drugs. Neither of them have come close to coming to market. They're still kind of zombieing around. No longer owned by Prevacus, which is basically uh, defunct. So this company, uh, this company received two million dollars. Barbara was the biggest investor in that one. So he had the, de- the deposition in uh, middle of December. He was deposed. Um, we don't know. We're not going to know for thirty days after that. So in the middle of January, what he said, and a little probably a lot of redactions of that. Um, and this is all in, uh, under the background of a federal investigation. They, it's still ongoing. We don't know what's going to happen. There's like two big fish. The, the two big fish that haven't been charged criminally are Brett Favre and Phil Bryant, the governor of Mississippi at the time. Um, you know, there's still, we don't know whether where, where that's going, whether they're going to face charges. Uh, Brett Favre has continuously said he's innocent. He did not know the source of the money was federal, federal welfare funds that have that the use of the funds were not he should not have got that money um, because that, you know, so is it is it on the person who gave him that money or did Favre know? That's something that, you know, you can make up your, from all the text messages, people can make up their minds on that. Um, and all the other evidence, all the stories I've written, um, all the legal documents I've, you know, <laughs> I've put in my stories, 
you know, there's, you know, that's not my decision to make as a journalist. Um, a lot of people think that there was enough, that there's enough there for some kind of liability or criminal liability. My legal experts say that, but it's still, it's still pretty, uh, it's still kind of unknown at this point. Um, and one defendant, so there's been three people charged federal, four people charged federally as part of this. Um, and many others charged in local court. Um, they basically, um, that's, that includes the two people who were running that nonprofit where this money was funneled from the state uh, through and then to Favre and many, many others. Um, and then there's the, uh, so there, there, there's those two. There was da- um, uh, John Davis, who is the former head of the welfare agency. He's also uh, been, been charged. Now, those three have all taken pleas and are waiting to be sentenced because the case isn't done yet. Now, you could say the case isn't done yet because of Ted, Ted DiBiase Jr., the million-dollar man. His kid has got caught up in this. He's, his trial set for the middle of, of uh, 2023. That's oh, right, middle of 2024. Um, and uh, and uh, so that's one part of it. Or they're still investigating, which is what that's what a couple of my sources say, say they still are, even though it goes back to 2017, some of these things. You know, statute of limitations are com- is probably coming up on, on some of this stuff. So there's, if there's been charged, you know, there's a chance there could be uh, indictments sealed on some people. We don't know that they haven't been unsealed yet uh, because of the statute of limitations. So there's, there's a lot of questions we don't know at this point, which I think, and as we head into the new year, we'll find out. Yeah. And, you know, the, the legal processes, uh, they take their time. Um, in terms of what Favre could be looking at in terms of legal liability, um, is prison time on the table here? Um, potentially. I mean, if... If he lied to federal investigators during the course of the investigation, that is a felony. Now, if there's fraud, now fraud, or it's a lot of these, a lot of these like kind of basically white collar crimes, you have to have intent. Did, did Favre intend to do what he, you know, or did he unknowingly do what basically happened to him getting these funds? Did, did he not know this, that, 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 that there were, you know, these kind of very, very restricted welfare funds that, that she, he shouldn't have, he should not have access to. Now we have texts that say, basically i'm going to paraphrase like will the media find out about this you know is that is that is that is that show intent it's really hard to prove those the easiest way, way to, the, the only crime if if we don't know if he did if he did lie to federal investigators that would be the one crime now whether they're going to charge somebody for that just because and make an example out of them i don't know the the interesting thing that ha- happened this year is that one of the last things Diane Feinstein, as senator uh, senator of California, before she passed, the day before she died, uh, approved the new attorney general, sorry, U.S. attorney for that district, Todd G. So Todd G. came in, uh, she two months say, uh, about I would say well, it was late October, early November. So he's only he, so he's only been on the job for like two months in the final two months of 2023. So you know, is he reviewing the case? Is he you know he does have a white collar you know, prosecutorial background. He does, this is, this is his bread and butter. So he may be reviewing stuff and maybe doing more investigation, looking at new things as well. Last one we'll hit on here. And we only have a couple minutes on this one, but uh, you broke the story on Minnesota head coach PJ Fleck and his practices that sort of seem to go beyond just, you know, being a tough coach to something that was more like hazing or, in parts, they're almost, I don't want to use the word cultish, but it's sort of in that direction of the kind of regime he ran. So if, quickly, if you could just describe uh, what, what you broke about P.J. Fleck. Yeah, we had this story in the middle of the year on uh, that talking to um, several former players, uh, 
uh, seven former players, actually. Um, and they told stories. This was mostly an issue right when he came to the school. Um, it, you know, there was this is back when the transfer portal, you know, the, the coach needed to sign off before a player could transfer. So, you know, and, you know, when you come in as a new coach, you, maybe some of the people don't 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 fit. So it became kind of he was putting these players through a lot. Um, this according to them. Um, and, uh, and there was, there, yeah, the, the word cult has been used by one of the, by one of those sources. And it was, it was, a, it was a lot. It was like, you know, players were spitting up blood and, you know, other things, very brutal punishment workouts. Now that became a big focal point for people to, you know, oh, it's football. Oh, that's fine. It's like, no, these are banned by the NCAA for a reason. And if Fleck did it, you know, and yeah, a lot of pushback on that story, but it's not, nothing has been, everything has been, was, was vetted. Nothing was proven wrong. We've done, I'll have more reporting on this probably in early in 2024, but we've done open records requests. Nothing that, you know, their narrative was wrong about after they, when they responded to the story saying that there were investigations. Well, I had the investigation that was in the story. It did not say what the school claimed it said um, after my story ran. Um, there was another investigation that was totally pointless that they were trying to rely on. I'm like, I didn't mention that. I mean, there's not that I knew. I you kind of tell as a reporter what how they're what, how they're going to play it. And there's I just you know when you figure this, you, you know the the school's backing them still, even though they had a very bad season this year, uh, five win season. Um, they, their 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 quarterback, starting quarterback, entered enter the transfer portal. Many others have as well. Um, and I. Uh, think they're about about to lose a, a coach um one, uh, one of the one, one of the assistants maybe going somewhere um so there's so there's you know there, there was there was a pushback at that that we usually see in these stories and like we saw with lane kiffin my, my coverage of the lawsuit for him there's there's this whole you know people want to reinforce the football culture that could be toxic but it's football so it's fine that's you know these these even with NIL and everybody throwing NIL as like oh these players get NIL money I'm like not every player in Minnesota's NIL is is dwarfed by some of these other big schools so it's it's not that it just there was so much there's going to be I think players are going to get more rights college players are going to get more rights they're going to get I'm not saying they're able to get ever to they may get to get to a point of, of starting their own union and having representation and maybe even become employees what something NCAA does definitely does not want. But the players need a voice, and the players' health, health, and, and welfare need to be taken into account. Uh, and instead of scapegoating journalists who write about this stuff, absolutely. Aja Perez chasing down some of the biggest, toughest stories of the year. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. We have one more episode in 2023, and then we're off to 2024. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.